what is up? You have found We Like the Blazers. I am Brandon Goldner, and with me is my guest, fresh off of his trip to Las Vegas NBA Summer League, the grizzled veteran reporter. It is Ryan Whitledge. Ryan, what's up, man? What's up? What's up? What's up? I'm, I'm both guest and co-host this week. I gotta I gotta wear two hats. You're the get get guest host, co-guest, ghost. Am I a ghost? ghost? You're the ghost? Yeah, I like it. As long as you're not going to creep up behind me while I'm trying to throw some pottery, we'll be good. Uh, so, Ryan. Oh, man, you stole my thunder. <laughs> no ghost snuggles on this show. <laughs> Look, man, you were in Las Vegas with everybody else, the epicenter of the NBA world. Like, every podcast I've listened to has said, NBA Summer League in Vegas is so much fun. You get to see everybody that anybody who's anybody was there, which explains why you were there and why, and why I was not. But uh, tell me, how did this let's start here? How you've been going to Vegas, you know, this isn't your first rodeo. So tell me no. about how you started getting involved in this and why, why do you like to go? Like, what's the draw for you? Well, for starters, I had never been to Vegas until I was 30 years old. And I had, I had thought about going a few times in my life. Uh, my wife, it, she is obsessed with Vegas. She absolutely loves it. Goes as many times as she can. She, and so on our third wedding anniversary, I want to say maybe second wedding anniversary, we went to Vegas and that was my first time. And I was like, holy crap, this place is cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, breaking news right there. And, and so from that, it kind of disseminated out when I started Blazer Tag Podcast. Um, we, Brandon Kennedy really loves Vegas. And so we talked about it as the three guys doing it as a guy's trip. And Ryan Green had never been as an adult. He had got brought there, I think he said, when he was like 14 or 15 by his parents. So he got to experience the kids, the kids version of Vegas. You know, we're going to go park you at the arcade in New York, New York. Here's 20 bucks. <laughs> and yo, that was fun, by the way, because my, my experience too. the first time I was there was about that age. And that mm -hmm. was about my experience. So well, yeah. appar apparently from Ryan Green's story of that is that he quickly ran out of 20 bucks because he was playing the expensive games and then went to go try to find his parents down on the gambling floor and was escorted out of the gambling floor by security because he was a 15 year old <laughs> randomly wandering the floor. But anyway, so we talked about it as a guy's trip and then my wife was like hey i kind of want to go to vegas too you know you guys still do your guys trip i'll go and i'll go and get my own hotel room or whatever and and uh you know you and i can meet up if we want to have dinner or what or whatnot and then the rest of the wives found out and they're like well let's make our own girls trip out of this and then us guys <laughs> and then us guys got involved i was like okay wait this is now a lot of hotel rooms let's just make it a couple's trip and understand that us guys are going to disappear so right. we went we went to summer league that first time uh we have probably the most epic stories I will ever have of breaking into an NBA agents meeting, breaking into the Hassan Whiteside press conference, personally pissing off Neil O'Shea by breaking into that Good for you. Uh, chatting with Terry Stotts, uh, uh, high-fiving Hassan Whiteside, not yet knowing that I would disdain him with a passion as a Blazers player. Uh, but yeah. And so obviously then la we talked about going last year, but COVID, you know, they didn't do any or yeah. do any of it, all that, everything was under a bubble. So this year when they opened it back up, it was pretty much just in the text thread. So we going and deciding on when we want to go. Uh, the rule for summer league has always been that if you want to hobnob and meet anybody who's anybody or run into a lot of players, you go during the first week or the opening weekend. And that by the end of it, everybody's kind of cleared out. They're tapped. Yeah. Well, not so much this year because of the Olympics. And you saw that a lot on social oh, media that it was yeah, about yeah. halfway through. You started seeing a bunch of guys shuffle in. So there was actually a decent amount of people and players that were there this year. Uh, this is also the second time that I've made a play. Uh, people can laugh at it if they want to get 
media credentials. Um, I'm getting exponentially closer. I want to say, because now I actually have a communicable relationship with the person who's in charge of saying yay or nay. (laughs) And, uh, Um, I tried to right before I went down there, see if there were any last minute openings. Uh, there were not, but yeah, I also, I I would, I would imagine that they're probably, even though they were like welcoming people back, I I imagine it's tighter this year than in years past. Again, because of COVID. You were required to, if you were to get credentials there, they did have a vaccinated and unvaccinated credentialed uh, access list and what you could and could do with and without credentials was, uh, like it was, you're stuck in the zoom room or you're actually allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the hilarity of it is, uh, summer league. So it takes place in the Thomas and Mack center. And so in that there's the practice gym of the Cox pavilion. Um, so there's two arenas in this one building. Um, it is a free for all. There is no organization. There's, it is all open seating. It is all get to wherever you want. You can get however close (laughs) to the court you want, whatever. Um, and, I'm, I'm and, laughing because I'm remembering the texts that you were sending me and I won't spoil it, but, um, <laughs> that, well, I, I'm going to spoil it. You were sending me pictures and like the first picture was kind of like, wait a minute. First of all, okay. The Thomas and Mack center, what's the capacity there? Cause when I think of arena, I think of the Moda center capacity, 20,000, give or take, what's the capacity. Do you happen to know, like off the top of your head? Like, is it no, much, Google, much smaller than that? Google may, uh, 19, five. Okay. So it's the same. So yeah, we're talking like the same size. So you sent me a picture and, and then the, the Cox pavilion, the, the like practice gym, just a picture, um, probably Texas sized, uh, high school basketball court for that kind of, okay. That kind of capacity. So, and for those who don't know, uh, Texas takes their sports seriously. And so all the money that should be going to public education goes into facilities for their student athletes. Uh, and they have some really nice facilities down there. Uh, but you were sending me pictures and the first one was like, yeah, probably the equivalent of like 200 level, like pretty good. And he sent me another picture and it got closer. He sent me another picture that was like basically courtside almost. And then I was like, yeah, so <laughs> the, the first two pictures, so that's me walking into the arena. And again, it's general seating. And let me just say this. So there's also from like podcasts and stuff that you listen to, there is a massive difference between being a media member there or being somebody who knows somebody and being a fan, because obviously being a media member, you're not paying for your entry tickets um, for summer league. A ticket gets you all day. Games start at noon yeah. and they end at like, you know, nine 30 at night. Uh, you can see about eight, you know, eight to 10 games a day if you're there all day, but there's no re-entry. So imagine being at a Blazers game with concession pricing for eight to 10 hours. <laughs> it wow. gets expensive real quick. And on top of that, the tickets sound cheap. They're about like 30 to 40 bucks for the general admission, uh, but double that with all the taxes and fees. So for one day you're paying about like $75 to be in there. And you're stuck in there. So it's definitely one of those things where like, if you go down as a fan, you're only paying probably for one or two days. Cause otherwise you're good. I mean, yeah, it's Vegas, but you're going to run up a hefty tab just to be in an arena. Um, so there is a big difference there, but it is still, it's still fun. And, you know, you see the pictures on social media of like, Hey, LeBron James is here, you know, Russell Westbrook's here, all that stuff. But anyways, that first, those first two pictures I sent you, that was from over in the Thomas, the actual Thomas and Mack center, the big arena. So that was just me walking in. Here's what the court looks like. Here's all this stuff. When I got close up, that is actually when the Blazers played over at the Cox pavilion. And that was, again, it's all just first come first serve seating. So we made sure to get over, um, at the tail end of the Charlotte game, which was packed because there's a ball brother involved. 
Um, and as soon as that cleared out, waiting for everybody to come in for the blazer game, we just went as close up as we could get. Now, one fun little thing that we've done every time we've been down to summer league is on TV. You see those things over the seats that say NBA summer league reserved first year down there. We snagged one. So of course we've made this a tradition. I once again have to walk out (laughs) with an MGM resorts reserved NBA summer league and all of us have it. So this is the second one. And yes, you can see the little holes. It's not easy because they zip tie them to the chairs now. (laughs) So so yes. Are you Uh, sure that there's not like a micro track microchip tracking your every move and they've got you on GPS. Now you're just caught in 4k stealing the little chair thingy. Probably. I don't care. (laughs) The NBA makes enough money. They can afford another chair thingy. So can you, can you cut a hole in the top of that and make a cute little crop top that you can wear around now for the end of summer? I think that'd look great on you. You know what? I have two of them because I'm greedy. So I did steal two. So I'll just give you the other one and you can wear it as a crop top. I think you're more likely to pull that off than I am. I don't think either one of us can pull that off my friend, (laughs) but yeah. And so then like, after we snagged these, then uh, I I got on Twitter and I started uh, DMing uh, Amara Baptist, you know, Blazer's social media manager, um, because she was sitting right next to a giant stack of uh, uh, the Gatorade MGM resort, Las Vegas summer league towels. And I was trying to goad her into uh, stealing one for me and, uh, she refused. <laughs> good, yeah, she is a, a consummate professional. And so I'm not surprised, although good. It doesn't ever hurt to ask, right? Like may as well ask. Exactly. I was like, I think there's enough towels over there. You just want to like kick one under your chair and I'll grab it for me after the game. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so no, no, she did not, but she did chat with us for a little bit. So that was fun. Um, you know, but as far as like hobnobbing and running into people, um, I did uh, in, in passing stop and have a brief uh, one minute long conversation with everybody's uh, local favorite GM. Saw him uh, off in the sides of a concourse uh, talking to somebody. Uh, I would hope it'd be another NBA GM, but in all honesty, there's only like three of those guys I could pick out of a lineup uh, out of the entire league. So stopped and chatted with him, did not insult him, did not throw things at him. So sorry about that. I tried to keep it cordial. Is it true that when you are in the proximity of Neil Olshay, you feel greasier. Yes. Yeah. In in his immediate vicinity that it feels greasy and the temperature goes down by like 15 degrees just because he's an icy cold human being. Uh, if the temperature would have went down 15 degrees, that would have been extremely welcome. Cause I think it was about like 112 <laughs> that day. So I did not notice that change, but yes, I immediately felt greasier. I could have also just been sweaty. Um, so you actually, you got to have a word with him. Yeah. Yeah. No. What, and, was and, the, what, what, what did you say? Oh, I just said hi, Neil. And I actually talked to him about breaking into the uh, breaking into the Hassan Whiteside press conference from the last time we were there. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And he he did say that, yes, he uh, he did give like his uh, quintessential Neil Olshay laugh and chuckling is like, yeah, I need to hire better security for that next time. And oh, good for him. That's that's I mean, I you know, that that's good. That's a that's a normal response. I I, I've only met Neil Olshay once, and that's when him and Terry Stotts went to City Hall when they were proclaiming Portland Trailblazers Day. And I got my that photo of me with with Coach Stotts. Um, (laughs) One of the few people I've stood next to who makes me look very, very short. Like I'm not super tall. I'm six, two. But the dude's like, you know, like six, six, something like that. He played in the league. And Neil Olshay was, I just not, Neil Olshay was not, it didn't feel like he was very approachable. Like I was going to go say hello and it just didn't, the the vibe didn't feel right. So having said that, I, I applaud you for taking the initiative to actually going and talking with him and props to Neil Olshay for giving a human response to a little joke. Good for him. So yeah, yeah, props Uh, all the way around. 
Other than that, uh, I crossed paths with uh, Russell Westbrook in one of the men's restrooms. Nice. That was, that was literally a, I'm walking out of the pisser and he's walking into the pisser. And I oh, so you a, didn't pull a curb your enthusiasm. No, I did not. But I did okay. have to do a double take of wh- why the hell is he using general? Can't he just go to the locker? Oh, okay. Whatever. Oh yeah. Actually, that's pretty funny. <laughs> but as, as a, as not a big Russell Westbrook fan, I was not going to stop and talk to him, but I did stop and have a, uh, short conversation with, uh, a, a premium previous NBA, uh, MVP and uh, current finals MVP who uh, I, I crossed paths with in a beer line. <laughs> really? What type I, of beer I, was he getting? And I well, hope that it's from it's, Wisconsin. It's, it's very well. I don't remember what he got, but it was also <laughs> weird because all the Antetokounmpo's were there. And I don't know if you've seen pictures of them. They, they have very similar faces. Yeah. So when everyone's wearing a mask, it's really hard to tell if that's Giannis, Thonis, or any of the other ones. And so just look I, to see who's the most ripped. I feel like Giannis is like the most built of the brothers right now. Uh, spoiler alert. They don't walk around everyday life wearing their NBA jerseys. Kind of hard to count the muscles. I was sort of assuming they were all shirtless. So I guess shame on me. No, no, this was not poolside. This was in an arena, <laughs> but yeah. And so it was, I was standing, I was like, Holy crap, that dude's tall, probably a player. And then like, I saw him like turn around <laughs> and like talk to the person that was next to him. And I was like, Holy shit. I think that's Giannis. Nah, I can't be honest. He'd be being mugged right now. But then again, that's also part of the beauty of summer league is that you, you get so used to just seeing people that unless it's like right. a little 12 year old boy that's running up for an autograph, it, it's, it just becomes whatever. And so I'm sitting there and I finally, I was just like, Giannis, he turned around. And then I was like, shit, why'd I yell that? And he was like, <laughs> Oh, Hey, <laughs> cause I was thinking I was going to immediately cause a mob to come to him. And then I was like, Oh crap. Sorry. I didn't mean to yell your name. I don't want you to get mobbed. He's like, Oh no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. He's like bucks fan. I said, Blazers fan. He's like, yeah, dame. Oh, <laughs> so just stupid little things like that or, or whatnot. So but then, just the fact, I mean, just, I mean, hearing you talk about this, just the fact that he was willing to like talk with you for a second. I don't know. Yeah. He, he strikes me as like a, a genuine human being. And I haven't read Mirren Fader's book about Giannis New York times, bestseller Mirren Fader, by the way, congratulations to her on that. That's incredible. Yeah. But I, I heard her, she was on a podcast with somebody, I, I don't know. And, and she just, the, the anecdotes that she has about him being an, a genuine human being and, and something she said that stuck with me that he had every reason to, to be sort of an embittered frustrated person based on his upbringing and based on how mm-hmm. his, his, when we moved to Greece that they, you know, in many ways didn't really accept him. Yeah. And, and instead he's this gregarious, generous, giving, loving person. And so just to, to, to hear you talk about your brief interaction with him, it just said, and to know that that is all true is, I don't know, good to hear. Yeah. And so just that little stuff, I mean, like the best, best summation I could have for like the vibe and feel of summer league, it's the NBA's version of summer camp. Like remember summer camp as a kid and how jovial it was and all that kind of stuff. It's the NBA's version of that. I I highly recommend people to go down and check it out. If they get the opportunity, if you're looking for quality basketball, I'm sorry, you won't find it there. You know, uh, as for how the blazers game went that night, you know, we're kind of very disappointed. I, I think, I don't think Fareed touched the court and that's kind of one of the guys I want to see play, you know, CJ Ellaby was uh, uh, a hot mess, a, a hot mess. The entirety of summer league, especially there, his uh, 
it looks like he's struggling to find which hairstyle he wants to land on at the moment. Um, you know, so, so there wasn't really all that memorable and the Blazers got their butt kicked. So, uh, but the joy is the, the walking around the atmosphere, all that kind of stuff. Um, one other little cheat that we did for the Blazers game is that again, like how I had mentioned, um, they were over in the smaller arena. So there's only one entry into that arena. It's like getting into a high school gym. There's one set of double doors. And so they were, I'm going to guess they were calling it capacity limits in there. Sure. (laughs) Uh, So it was basically like there was a line of people halfway around this part of this concourse to get in. All the bathrooms are out there. All the concessions are out there. If you leave, you have to get back in line and go to the back of the line. Or you can do what we perfected and realize that near the front of the line, instead of everybody being in a line, they just kind of group. So just (laughs) don't worry about the line and just come back up and stand in the group and act like you belong. And so that the first time I went out for a beer run for us, it took me 20 minutes to get back in the second time. It took me two minutes because I realized I could cut the line and nobody gave a damn. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, I am that asshole, but also at the same point, I'm like, especially during my team, when it's, when I'm watching them, I don't want to, you know, if I'm, if you're getting sent out for a beer run or hell, even if you got to go pee, you don't want to go stand in line for half a game again. So no, yes, I'm an asshole, but I figured out, I game the system. So there you go. There you go. And also I don't want to be waiting. If you are trying to get a white claw and you miss an entire quarter's worth of basketball, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah. Um, so one of the, and one of the other funnier things that night is so then that night afterwards, because that's down near the strip, we stayed down on the strip. I think we wandered through like planet Hollywood, Cosmo Aria, um, a little bit of the win, all the, all the mm-hmm. ones where the players actually hang out and whatnot. Uh, Aria is where you tend to find some of the younger players. It's a little bit cheaper than the win. The win is where you'll find all the veterans and, and coaches and whatnot. The guys that aren't there so much for the party atmosphere, seeing all the like guys who, you know, like second round picks and whatnot, or, or low level first round picks, uh, wandering around these hotels and, and I know this will sound a little bit assholeish, but seeing all the, uh, the hangers on of the ladies, because these guys are walking through with their team summer league shirts, <laughs> just, they want it to be known like, Hey, I'm an NBA player or hope to be. And yes, just everybody that gravitates to them to try to get into their inner circle immediately. It's, it's funny to watch. There's uh, they, they can definitely draw some talent. I will say. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. And look, if I were an athletic specimen in my early twenties and had confidence and had fame and money, you know, I, I, who knows how I would behave, right? Like rather than being a cripplingly insecure person who, uh, didn't really get a date until he was in college, but yeah, I good for them. Hey, if that's, that's, if that's, if that's something that is fun, then, then all power to people who are making consensual decisions among adults. Um, so let me ask you this, like you talked a little bit about the blazers and how they played, as a result, uh, I think that we can both agree that the end result of these games doesn't matter. And that what really matters is you're looking for how the individual players are, are performing. So when you're going into this and I mean, you get a different perspective because you're there in person. Is there anything, and I mean, I, I get that you're not a scout, right? But, but you've been, you're, you're, what? you're knowledgeable about NBA basketball and you're there. What is it that you were looking for? 
or are looking for when you're actually watching the Blazers on the court? Are you like, just tell, like walk us through that process. Like when you're watching them play, what are you trying to look for that that's popping or not popping? One of the things I've always tried to pay attention to is, is non-selfish play. Who's there to play as a team. And, you know, just look at this Blazers roster coming into this summer league. How many guys were actually under contracts that were playing versus how many guys, you know, the, you know, were on the team, like as favors to agents, like, you know, like Beasley and, and Fareed and whatnot to like showcase themselves. Or uh, so I try to look for how many guys are trying to play for the team. And even though this, this means nothing and it could only possibly end in a, you know, another summer league banner or whatever, who who's playing for their squad to win, because those are the guys that are not going out there and just chucking it up and being selfish and having the selfish play and trying to put up their numbers. And I think that that in this context correlates a lot more to, is this somebody that would be beneficial to an NBA team? Yep. And I, that's something that you hear too, where it's like, are you trying, like as a coach, are you trying to put the players in a position for them to show their individual talents or are you trying to put them in a system that looks like what the team system is going to be when the season starts? And that second one is nearly impossible, right? Because well, I mean, for one, you're not going to show your hand for anything, especially if you're Chauncey showing off whatever new offense, right? You know, and the talent or even if you, let's say you have like one super talented player, you can't really run them with a team that has commensurate talent. You just can't do the same stuff during summer league as you can do during the regular season. So you almost have to kind of look at like what individuals are doing uh, to that point. You talked a little bit about CJ Ellaby. Uh, the, the thing I found a little hot garbage, hot, hot garbage. garbage. I, and you know, I, we love him. He's been working out with Norm Powell, but yeah, by all accounts didn't do very well. Uh, the, the, I, but before we get into the person who I think we're all kind of wondering about your, your opinion on, I wanted to ask about the, the veteran presence at summer league. So you mentioned Kenneth Fareed, you had Michael Beasley there. Uh, Beasley was great at coaching guys up on the floor. Like take what you will of his play or, you know, uh, in, in summer league or whatnot, he was great at pulling guys off to the side and Hey, you know, this is look at this over here. Here's what I'm seeing, you know, taking guys under his shoulders or walking off the court. You know, he was a, a great for lack of a better term players coach on, on that roster. And, and, and I saw a lot, a lot of that from him, you know, again, even though it's summer league, two or three times I glance over and I see him on the bench and he's holding an iPad and talking to CJ Ellaby or talking to Greg Brown or whatnot on, Hey, here, you know, look this, you can see this here. Here's where this, you know, for one, I didn't realize they busted out iPad technology at summer league. I would have thought you leave that back home, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. He, he was great with that. And, and for him, I would say that's all I expect out of his veteran presence for the Blazers. I mean, I don't think anybody had any, I I've chatted about, I wouldn't mind it. I would have, I would have liked to read more, but I don't think we had any reservation or misrepresentations about thinking that they were for sure trying out for a spot on the Blazers. Well, that's the thing. I mean, is there even a spot on the team roster for, for, either of those guys right now. Like I'm looking at the most recently updated cap sheet from the uh, dunked on podcast. Shout out to Nate Duncan, Daniel LaRue. I, uh, and it, I mean, they don't have, especially what they actually, what they don't have on here is the contract that Greg Brown was signed to. Again, we'll get to that in a second. The Blazers don't really have any room. They have precious few roster spots too. Um, I'm trying to count who they have a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13. 
plus the two two ways. So they're kind of out of room. I guess oh Harry Giles and Rondé still reflect on there, and those guys are probably not likely to come back, although the Blazers need a backup center. So anyway, we're going to leave that aside. Uh, so, okay, so the, the veterans that were playing in Summer League, I thought, honestly, that was a waste of time. I, I, you know, maybe it was a favor to the players' agents. Maybe that's what it was. I was assuming it was like a tryout for the regular season team. If that's what it was, it, it, it probably failed because neither of those guys were probably going to be on the team. So that brings you to the youngins. And particularly, I mean, there are a lot of people who cycle through Summer League teams. But, Ryan, I want to know about the star of the show. I want to know about Greg Brown the third. He's the third, right? Greg Brown third. Uh, or is he a junior? Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I think he's a third. Oh, why is it not showing up? He is a third. Okay, tell me about Greg Brown the third. How did he jo- look to your eye? Like, did did did? Bouncy. Let me ask this. What's that? Bouncy. Bouncy. Like a like a and like I, a bouncy and castle. I, and I won't lie. It took me a good solid three quarters of that game to figure out which one was Greg Brown because my eyesight's going bad. So I can't read the damn jerseys. <laughs> you don't have numbers on the jerseys too. Okay. If I can't read the names, the numbers are also blurry. Again, eyesight's going to shit there, bud. The, the number, the numbers are generally bigger than the names, bud. Okay. Numbers are usually bigger on the back. That's names fine. are usually a little smaller. It wasn't just me. We, again, there's alcohol okay. there. So, but uh, the three uh, of us can, I can't remember who we confused him get for. Get some glasses. We, we, thought Gre- we thought Greg Brown was a different player. And this is not the first time we've made mistakes <laughs> such as this. If we want to go back to the famous or the infamous Mike Dom story. <laughs> I, so to be fair, I mean, I've, especially like at the beginning of, of, a, of a given season when the players have, have cycled through, I've mistaken certain players for other players. So that's fine. But yes. the, so my initial reaction was, wow, this guy sucks. Until I figured out that it was the other guy. And then I was like, oh, he's been doing pretty good. He's bouncy. So, like, <laughs> I think that there's not a ton that you can take away from stats, really. I mean, in my view, what I'm looking for when I'm watching from the television screen, I'm watching for how they move on the court, how fluid they are, how athletic they are, how quickly they make decisions. Uh, from that perspective, just from a kind of, you know, this player is on the court and they're reacting to stuff. Did he look like he more than belonged on that court slash belonged on an NBA court? Like what was your read on that? He looked like he belonged on a summer league court. He does not look like he belongs on an NBA court, nor do I expect him to set foot on it outside of garbage time at any point in time this year. There's only one player that I personally saw at all or two players. I should say that I personally watched at summer league that, and I didn't see Cade Cunningham, so I can't speak to that. These are just guys that I saw. Uh, Evan Mobley is the only one who looks like he has any business doing anything on an NBA court. And LiAngelo Ball is absolutely fantastic. Those are the only two guys where I'm like, put him in the league right now. That's fine. Cade Cunningham, like I said, can't speak to him. Uh, Jalen Suggs didn't see him. So, but of any, any players there, including guys on the Blazers roster, only ones that I would care about putting a toe on the court are those two guys. Well, okay, fair enough. But did he look I, the big question? Cause we all know he's young and I don't think anyone expects him to produce right away. There was one <clears throat> Twitter. I know Twitter is Twitter. One Twitter discussion with somebody who was trying to make the case for Greg Brown, possibly contributing this year, which I find Highly unlikely, yes. but leaving that aside, how much did Nas contribute year one? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, how much did that's about what I expect from him? How much did Anthony Simons contribute year one? How much did CJ McCollum contribute year one? How much did Zach Collins contribute year? I mean, the best comp that I have for anybody that's currently on the Blazers roster, and it it would be that Greg Brown is very much a Nasir Little type player. You know, yeah, I think that that, that's fair, right? I mean, he's he's not a higher end draft pick. There, there are if if he had a lockdown without a doubt NBA package of both athleticism and skills, he wouldn't have fallen to the second round. There's a reason why he fell to the second round. Now, having said that, there's also a reason why he was drafted in the first place. And I, I think you would agree that the NBA level athleticism that he displayed during summer league perhaps gives you hope that he could contribute at some point if not this year, I mean, was that the sense that you got? Yes. Yes. And especially with, you know, I'm assuming that the Blazers player development, um, the, the ethos that have come down from management will kind of be passed on to the Chauncey Billups era. Um, so if they can maintain their high level of player player development, and you're going to get a guy with raw athleticism that you can kind of help mold yourself, you know, that that's, that's a good project player. So take year one, do these shooting coach or do these shooting drills, do these little, you know, uh, ball movement, you know, build up their IQ or whatnot. But if you get a guy that has a raw, you can't teach raw athleticism in the league, but you can teach basketball skills. So you take the, you draft the thing you can't teach and you teach the things you can seems like a good method. And he strikes me as a guy that will just absorb that all like a sponge. Yeah. The other thing that made me feel hopeful too, it wasn't just the athleticism. It was the kind of the situational awareness and and decision-making. So, so athleticism, Myers Leonard was a very athletic player. He -hmm. had physical tools that actually few NBA players have. And yet his, his reaction times, his reads, his instincts were awful to, to, I mean, I mean, really, really bad in the inter- and they, and they never got any better, which I, I have to say, like I, I was having a discussion on Twitter about admitting when you were wrong. I totally, I was so convinced Myers Leonard was going to be an all-star. I knew he was going to be an all-star. I had no question. He was going to be an all-star. He never came close to becoming an all-star. I'm, I'm saying when he first got drafted, I'm saying when he first got drafted, I'm I was, still giving you the side eye for thinking that that is wow. Look at I, that, that, I, he's I humongous. Can't, I can't trust your best. So is taco fall. Yeah, but Myers Leonard, he looked proportional. He was his his athleticism appeared to be functional. So I thought that he would put it together. The thing that I appreciated most about Greg Brown was it didn't look like the game was too fast for him. He made mistakes, of course, but on a court with a higher level of talent than he's ever played with before. He looked like he belonged. That's a good sign. And it it, it looked like he was reading stuff. He was reacting to stuff. He was making decisions quickly, confidently. Were they always the correct decision? No, but that part of your brain that kind of tells you like you're taking something in and you're doing something. He has that Mm -hmm. now. To your point, if he can then, if the Blazers staff can then train him, get him to think about the right things, get him knowledgeable enough so that those reaction times are reacting in the right way, he makes fewer mistakes, he looks like a functional NBA player, which I think is a really, really good thing. I I know that you can't take anything from Summer League to see the future, and I know I've been babbling for a while, so I'll shut up now, but just to say I was encouraged. That's what I'll say. 
Yeah. I always, I always try to preface everybody and say, don't, don't make too big of a deal of summer league. It is what it is. It's the NBA's tryout. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's like when freaking um, uh, the combine starts in the NFL, everyone freaks out. Oh my God. Look at this guy doing this. Look at this guy doing that. Oh, his draft position should go here. You know, but the NFL combine. Oh, look at, look at these passes he's catching. Yeah. Nobody's covering him. Put him in right. an NFL game. He's going to get destroyed. <laughs> Check out Ben Simmons in the gym. Just draining jumpers. Yeah. Draining. We are on what? Summer three in a row of, uh, oh my God, look, Ben Simmons hit a three. Yeah. Okay. So Greg Brown looks good. Uh, Neil Olshay then promptly signed Greg Brown to a three-year deal, which I think is interesting. They, the Blazers using part of their taxpayer mid-level exception to get Greg Brown on that three-year deal. What that does. Paul Millsap. Bye. Bye. I still have hope for LaMarcus Aldridge. I want him to come home so bad. I just think it'd be fun. A good story. But the, the good news about if, you know, Greg Brown showing what he did, I think the three-year deal is a reasonable move because it allows the Blazers to establish bird rights on him. Mm -hmm. So that means that if the Blazers like what they see from him over the next couple years, they then have the right to go over the cap to sign him to a deal in the future. If he's not on a three-year deal, you never establish those bird rights. I think after two years, you have early bird rights, yeah. but full bird, full bird rights after three years, what it, what, what it basically gives the Blazers flexibility to control the next step of his contract future. If they like what they see from him, wow. I thought that was a, yeah, I thought that was fair. Getting real close to O'Neal O'Sheaism about controlling assets. Well, man, I, I, yes. I, I wonder if new um, NBPA president CJ McCollum would have anything to say about that. I don't even know if we're going to get into that in this episode because we only have about 15 minutes left. Let me kick it back to you. I will let you take this where you want. Is there anything else you wanted to say about your experience at Summer League or what you saw or just like any advice that you give to people who maybe want to go next year who haven't been or anything like that? Uh, again, best advice that I can give is going to be probably the, the plan for the fact that you will be in that arena all day. So it's like, if you're like looking at a slate of games and I understand for one, step one, buy your tickets for when you want to go before the games are announced. Because I mean, we just so happened to luck out this year. They announced the schedule so late. Most of the tickets had already been purchased. Uh, and, and so we only knew the dates of when it was happening. So figure out the dates that you want to go. And if you don't necessarily, if you're going to go for multiple days, you'll definitely see your team at some point in time. But if you just want to watch fun summer league basketball, pick your dates and go to it. Uh, and again, I'm going to say like, if then the schedule comes out and you're looking and you're like, Oh, Hey, Boston's playing at noon, but then I don't care about any of these other teams or these other games until like five, maybe we'll go grab lunch somewhere. Don't do it. You aren't getting back in. You just paid that for, for one ticket. <laughs> so you got to plan and budget for staying there all day. Biggest important thing for that. So, I mean, I think collectively between the three of us being there all day, granted, I'm going to say about 45% of this figure went into uh, alcohol consumption, but we probably collectively <laughs> dropped $120 a piece there. Wow. Not, not counting the ticket to get in just for eating and then whatnot. Cause you, I mean, you really just wanted to support the local economy in these uncertain times, right, Ryan? Well, and the local economy was so gracious to me there. You know, if I can pivot <laughs> to my gambling, it was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I had one bad gambling night, but I had already went up a decent amount. I had, I had walked away from night one, 
up like $150 from the poker table, $175 from the blackjack table. Next morning we had went out after breakfast. I think I won another 120 bucks at blackjack. And, uh, then Saturday night got really drunk and gambled about 90% of that away. <laughs> did you, so wait a minute, did you walk away up or down in total grand, from your game? Grand, uh, well, grand total for a whole trip, including spending money, because I, I just bring cash for, for what I want to spend grand total. I came home up $75 with nice. everything I, with everything I spent food and we ate ev- every breakfast really? out, every lunch out, every dinner wow. out. So even you... though we're, even though we're staying at Brandon's, he's like, I'm not cooking for you. My wife's not cooking for you. We're going to go out and eat. So even if, with everything, <laughs> what a gracious spent, host, yeah. no, I, don't, I don't, I don't blame him at all. I don't blame him one bit. Uh, you walking away up any amount of money, or even if you were down just a little bit, you won, you absolutely won. Your trip was subsidized by the other good gamblers who were visiting Las Vegas at that time. Yes. I think that's uh, pretty neat. Um, one, one more that, that went for all three of us too. I think we were all collectively up. So nice. That's granted, awesome. Granted at one point in time, green and I started making fun of Brandon because if you left him alone to gamble at any table, doesn't matter how far he was down when you left him magically, when you'd come back from the bathroom, Hey, I just won a couple of hands and I'm up like 300 bucks now. <laughs> we ended up catching on to the fact that when no one was looking, he would just open his wallet and buy in more chips. so that his chip stack was higher by the time we got back that's funny i the the last time i i went and played (laughs) poker anywhere i was in albuquerque visiting my brother when they lived there i was at a a native american casino and i was playing uh hold'em and i won a pretty big hand and i was up like a hundred bucks and I played one more hand and then I bounced. I'm like, I'm up, I'm out of here. And the people at the table are like, Oh no, you got to blah, blah. And I was like, I was like, I'm up. I'm I, I, I goodbye. Like that's, I like, that's the hard thing for Parker with me because the, the, the night that I walked out, like the upper 150 was such a roller coaster. I think the highest I was up was like 350 bucks at that poker table. But I, I was at that table for like two and a half hours. And yep. so that's such the weird roller coaster of like, oh my God, I just got my ass kicked. Should I leave now before I t- they take all my money? Do I buy back in? All right, fine. No. And then play, you hit a hand and you're like, okay, never mind. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. And then finally, yeah, right. it was the collective group effort of, hey, let's walk out. But anyways, back to the advice for Vegas. Besides, besides the, uh, um, uh, the plan to be there all day. Uh, one of the, no matter if you're going there for summer league or not, I always advise people to do not waste your money on, unless you're that type of person, do not waste your money on getting the fanciest room. You don't need to stay at the Aria or the win. I mean, I'm not saying go down and stay at circus circus and fear death, but like, I prefer to stay at either like if I'm going to be on that end of the strip a lot, I'll stay at New York, New York. It's not the fanciest, but it's, it's cheap and the rooms are decent. Uh, most of the time I, I stay at the Flamingo that they got a great pool. It's, it's fine. It's centrally located, but whenever I vacation and especially to Vegas, I don't plan to spend my entire time in my room. Right. So you don't have to like outthink the room here and go like, Oh, well, you know, the wind looks gorgeous. I mean, Oh my God, you could just go there. $300 a night, you know, well that takes away from my travel budget. No, go stay in the flamingo. It's like a hundred dollars a night or something like that. It's completely doable. And, you know, we actually talked about it too, because for Kennedy living in Vegas and it being like, you know, 25, 35 minute drive to the strip, you know, once you get on the strip, it's horrible to drive around finding parking is a pain in the ass. 
you know, so we actually decided that, uh, if we go or if, and when we go next year, me and green are probably going to stay down at the Flamingo for two of the days and then go stay, you know, maybe like night one, we'll stay at Brandon's when we land in, he'll drive us in middle two days. We'll stay in our hotel. Cause then that way too, you're immediately on the hotel. You can go back easily, take a nap, recoup for the day, as opposed to now investing that long commute. But th- those are my two biggest bits of advice is, uh, um, you know, plan to be in the arena all day if you're going there for the games and don't blow your entire budget on trying to stay in the nicest, fanciest hotel. You heard it here first. Ryan says, don't blow your wad. The other thing I would say to <laughs> advice wise, if you're into NBA basketball is if, if you even have a tangential relationship with other people who are plugged in with NBA reporters or podcasters, there's no harm in asking them, Hey, you know, do you have any advice for me? Do you happen to know anybody who can help me navigate this? Or even can you help me potentially get credentialed? Um, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. Most people in NBA circles, like 99% of them want to help. And yes, like people are busy, but, but honestly, like the NBA reporting Mm -hmm. community almost without fail wants to help people, which is pretty neat. And so, you know, don't be afraid. The number, of pe- the number of people that you and I throughout our collective podcasting and, you know, personal NBA tiny bubble of reporting and talking about sports and yada, yada, yada have done number of people that we've reached out to with the, what we feel are the most idiotic questions. And they come back with something like, Oh yeah, no, I've been there before. Here's what you do, or here's who you should ask or yada, yada, yada. It's yeah. It's such a, a helpful community and it's it, 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 nobody views it as threatening. Like, Oh, who are these two little podcast idiots right. from Portland sitting in their living room? You know, I work for this outlet, you know, why do I have to waste my time with those peons? Basically not everyone's a bill Simmons. <laughs> as no, much as much as I love the guy, but he doesn't give anybody else the time of day. So he's a, he's a gatekeeper and there are yeah. people like that. And there aren't, there aren't a ton of them, which is really, really cool. Most people mm-hmm. do want to help, which I think is, is, is great. Um, all right. So we've got about nine minutes. I want to do a rapid fire on a couple different things and, and you can squeeze some stuff in here, but really right, quick, let's go. do you have any opinions on the Blazers schedule? It came out. They're playing 82 games that last month and a half of the schedule is brutal as far as road games go, but only in regards to the 14 travel out of the last 21 on the yeah, road. It, and, you know, but a lot of those it's, you know, Spurs rockets, you know, Oklahoma city, you know, a couple of gimme games, but you know, it's, it's so weird. I, I love how everyone, Mike Francesa the schedule for everybody's team. As soon as it comes out, like, Oh, win, win, loss, loss, win, win. Like, are we, we have sh- no idea. Give me a exactly. break. Like, are you going to look at the Lakers and say, that's an automatic loss for every single Lakers game. All right. Anthony Davis breaks his leg game one. Uh, the Russell Westbrook, Carmelo, Anthony in the starting lineup experiment flames out horribly. They're not going to start mellow. Are they? I believe he's starting. Oh my God, Jesus Christ! Good they luck, need Lakers. Sh- they need shooting in the starting lineup. I okay. I can't. I can't. A different episode. I want to talk about the Lakers. We'll do at some point. We'll do like a Western Conference preview, and we'll. Um, I also want to go back to the one that we did last year when you were not the host yet, but you, but we talked about it. I think it was mm-hmm. me. Was it me? You and Keith? Yep. I can't remember. Okay, yeah. And, and, and let's let's hold ourselves accountable to that. Uh, Blazer schedule. My thought about. So you said that the, the the end of the schedule, end of the year is brutal on on the road. I think that's fair. The, yeah. the, the medium take I have. 
people always talk about how much the Blazers have to travel. Surprise, surprise, they're on the very west of the West Coast. Obviously, they're going to be traveling. They're, they're about as far away from every other team as you can possibly be. But also this theory, or not even theory, this concept, uh, reality, that the Blazers have more rest disadvantage days, which means they're coming into a game where they have less rest than the opponent. Mm-hmm. That my medium take is, well, no shit. That's because they're in Portland, again, because they're traveling. I don't think that this is some conspiratorial. It's the, far, it's the farthest out team in the league. Right. Yeah, this this is not a conspiracy. I will say this too. When you hear every team's fan base complain about the schedule for different reasons, can you imagine how difficult it is to coordinate 82 games between 30 different teams plus the use of the arenas for other things like concerts, like Disney on Ice? This is a logistical nightmare. The people who put this schedule together are literally heroes. I can't believe that they do it every year. It blows my mind every time. But my my warm take, there's no conspiracy. The Blazers get the schedule they do mostly because of where they are and because they're not a contending team. So I think that that's, you know, that's it. And you also have to take into account, like, what other things? Like, there's a lot of arenas and a lot of places right now that are trying to play catch up with postponed and and concerts from the last year that, you know, and the NBA schedule makers. Those Billy Joel concerts are not going to sell themselves out, Ryan, okay? I can't laugh. I'm going to a Dude Perfect show down at Moda Center for my kids, and I love Dude... (laughs) I, I myself, oh, love, kids. Oh, that's fine. well, I love dude. Perfect. I'm the one that got them into watching that YouTube channel. But anyways, got it. one of the things too, that like stands is out the, to me, is he the guy that throws the Frisbees and stuff? There's five, there's five of them. That's the trick shot guys. Okay. Yeah. 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 They throw like a football from the top of the yes. stands and it goes, and given the ah, most generic yeah. description. Yes. One of the most successful <laughs> YouTube channels ever in existence. Yes. yes hey, okay. hey, I, I'm a big, I'm a big disc golfer. In fact, I'm, I'm my, the, my heart out is a disc golf date. Uh, I've been playing more lately, played a tournament in Corvallis, played as a pro, got my ass kicked. It was super fun. Uh, and, and so I, Hey, they do the disc golf trick yeah. shots. All good with me. Um, uh, here's, here's my one little caveat. Things I look at weird things. I look at on the schedule, you know, a lot of things, a lot of big stuff. Stuff is made up of like, you know, oh, well, the Blazers aren't playing a Christmas Day game or they don't have this marquee game. They don't have this. You know, it, there's also I, there's uh, I can't remember the title of it um, uh, for anybody to look it up. I wish I could. But this YouTube video is talking about like how the league costs itself money, because when it does the schedule at the beginning of the years, it comes out with those big marquee matchups. So oh, Golden State versus Lakers or this, you know, these teams. And then that they have been a money suck actually at the end of the year, because the league has no, uh, they don't allow themselves to flex their schedule. Like the NFL does where right. if a marquee player goes down, like if you, if, if the, like if the NFL is going to tout like, Oh, Hey, this is our Sunday night primetime game between Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. And both of those guys are hurt. The appeal of that game Sub goes down, out. but they allow themselves to be able to flex somebody else in. And I think the NBA needs to do that because if, you know, any of these high marquee ones are done and they've actually lost money based off, you know, some ticket sales and, and revenue ship, but one of the, th- or through that, but one of the things I look at, if you want to talk about like how, uh, I know CJ's talked about this before, but like mental, mental health days and, and mental rest days and whatnot, you look at around Thanksgiving, they have thanks. They have the entire Thanksgiving weekend off. They're off, you know, after they're off Friday, Saturday, and they come back Sunday. You look at Christmas. They have the entire Christmas break off. Let me see. They play on the 23rd. They don't come back to the 22nd. Uh, their new year's or their new year's Eve game is West coast down in LA. You can be around family and you're in the same time zone. You're not traveling that much. And then you're not playing again until the third. You look at around those major holidays, you know, that players want to be with their families and want to do things. 
those kind of things right now in this, as far as this goes, are advantageous to the Blazers. They have long holiday breaks and they're local on the ones in which they play. Sounds good for mental health and recoup days. So yep. that's, that's a stupid little schedule quirk I look at, but anyways, you got your heart out. Take us out of here. Wait a minute. 60 seconds, no. 60 seconds, 60 no. seconds. I want You're your opinion. Fired. Yes, I do. Uh, CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum. <laughs> McCollum is the new president of the national uh, basketball players association. Do you have an opinion about that? Good, bad, and different. Indifferent. Me too. I think it's great. I think if anybody wants to think that him taking on those kind of duties are, are going to take away from him playing basketball, that's idiotic to no. throw them in the stupid takes of, Hey, Dame, Dame, Dame spends too much time on his music. Get back in the gym. So stupid. NBA players nowadays have so many things going on outside and off the court that they do. It does not affect their game at all. And by the way, I kind of like it. Uh, Chris Paul, the previous president was a star player from the moment he got in the league. CJ McCollum is riding the bench for his first couple years. Mm-hmm. I think that CJ McCollum has a better understanding of how this stuff affects players that are not star players. Having said that CJ McCollum has a, has a giant contract. He's, you know, the top 1% of, or, you know, a couple percent of NBA earners, mm-hmm. but I appreciate that he brings that perspective. Okay. Very good. With that, that's it for today. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Thank you for joining us, Ryan. Thanks for telling us about Las Vegas Boom. and giving us tips on how to do it. If you want to reach out to us, you can do that at we like the Check us out on YouTube at we like the blazers on YouTube, I guess uh, check out Ryan's summer league chair thing that he's flying around the screen right now. You can also find us on Twitter at like the blazers. And with that, I'm Brandon. That's Ryan. Thank you all again. And Peace. go blazers. Go blazers.